we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. on the field for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Strikes a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a try to Andrew John. Bruce Street from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Coming to you live from Warramai and Nippaluna Lands. It's the Bay 53 podcast, part of the sport's best friend podcasting network we're still brought to you by a plus contracting and poly welding it will come as no surprise to anybody who's listening that the newcastle knights remain completely and utterly shit with yet another horrible loss to manly the sea eagles getting the double over us for season 2022 so because we wanted to talk about something positive for a change and we've had a late late out through injury with my fellow co-host brett o'shank we note that the Souths are doing quite well at the moment. So we've brought on a big South Sydney supporter, Don, better known to the rest of the Twitter world as at Don Sunday, to try and hopefully lighten the mood. Don, thanks for joining us, mate. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I'm, I'm as well as I possibly can be, being a, um, a night supporter in this day and age. But um, I think more importantly, how are you travelling? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Yeah, lost. Can't complain. Yeah. Obviously, um, uh, shame to not see Bredo on here, but, um, you know, we'll try our best. Look, uh, I've heard very positive things about you, Don, so I've got no doubt whatsoever that you'll be um, more than capable of, um, of of handling the significant uh, load that he has has left behind in, in hosting duties tonight. But, um, mate, you'd be – I'm curious as a Souths supporter – if I'd asked you the same question in terms of how you felt about the team two weeks ago compared to now, would you would you be giving me the same answer to like two weeks ago? Um, I mean, we <laughs> I guess we've all just been hanging for Latrell to get back, mate. Yeah, and um, you know it's been what we'd hoped. Um, so you know he takes eyes off other blokes um cody walker's starting to find his groove yeah um and you know as i said it's just what we sort of hoped was going to happen um it's probably a bit more of a turnaround and you know there'll be people here going oh you only played the bulldogs you only played you know the knights um but uh you know it's it's a step in the right direction um during that time we've had cam murray out we've had you know, Cook out, um, Campbell Graham out. Um, so there's positive signs there for us. I hate the fact that you've said, oh, we've only played the Knights. And I'm like, well, what can I say to that? <laughs> I can't say anything to that. Um, you're three from three since Luttrell came back. And granted, you have beaten two bottom forts um, teams, but you beat the Eels as well with Luttrell's return. And um, it's it's quite possible that Luttrell was the difference against Parramatta um, uh you know, three games ago. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time we lost to Parramatta, mate, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, like it's it's a significant turnaround because you sort of look at where where Souths went in uh, round fifteen on that Thursday night, and that was a horrible game against the Dragons, where um, the Dragons just came out firing from the get go, and it's almost an, an exact reversal of that um, of that scoreline uh, two weeks later, where or uh, well, more than two weeks later, sorry, where you've come out against a firing Eels and you've put thirty on them. And uh, you haven't looked back. So th- there's definitely been a sort of change in the vibe, I guess, as it were, about South Sydney at the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fair comment. I mean, um, that Dragons game, I guess we're all just trying to get that out of our out of our heads. Um, you know, we we were looking for positives out of that out of that match, and I think uh, the second half was like eight eight nil or something. Um, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. From from memory, um, I can't can't remember. I, I know we held them to nil. Um, so there was a there was a slight silver lining there that um, you know, I think they ended up with the thirty two points which they scored in <laughs> sort of thirty two minutes. But yeah. um, you know, all all in all, I guess uh, you know, some of the some of the guys must have got in the sheds and had a good hard look at themselves and um, you know, sort of thought, well. Is this what we want to be as a football team? Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, they've obviously done a lot of work, um, and we've sort of reaped the rewards over the past few weeks. Um, I would note. I think did did Parramatta lose to the Bulldogs a week before they played us? Um, they definitely have lost to the Bulldogs um, this year. I can't. I think. Yeah, I think that actually that, that that sort of fits in with the time because I was looking at the Bulldogs as well today. There was a point there around that same t- um, period of time where the um, the Bulldogs strung two together. Yeah, the Bulldogs. I mean, they they were quite good yesterday. I thought, and um, you know, you you guys um, in the week before, um, you know, you stuck it to us for. Um, fairly good periods of the game. Um, but then we just, you know, sort of got got away there towards the end. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't think you guys um, are too far away. Um, and, and same with the Bulldogs. Like. It's, it's a funny competition this year in that... And I mean, not even anymore. Like the way the the way the storm until a couple of weeks ago, you would have said there's there's the top two and then the rest. Mm. But even the storm over, the, I mean, they're on a three game losing streak at the moment. So it's almost like it's Penrith and the rest. But once you get past that sort of top five or six teams, it's such a fine line of difference between the rest of the comp. And so it's one thing to say about the Knights that well, you're not far off. But the problem is, is that we're just far off enough. Where it that that makes a, a big enough difference where we're we're languishing in bottom four like that's the that's the way the competition seems to be playing out at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Don, I I want to before we sort of get too busy into um into the the weekend of footy that we've just had, I want to sort of um give you a bit more of an opportunity to tell the um the the five or six listeners that we've got a little bit about yourself, mate. Tell me how um how I'm always curious about these things. How did you get to be attached to the South Sydney Rabbitohs? Uh, so my my grandfather was from North Queensland, and um, he moved down during. That's a terrible start, Don. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think he moved down in the um, 
sixties, which was a sort of golden period. Um, so, so he he sort of followed South from then. Uh, my old man uh, grew up. Um, he was sort of attached to the, or my my grandparent, my granddad might have been the fifties uh, golden period, and then uh, my my old man uh, sort of through the seventies. Um, and then I was brought into it um, through family connections and uh, obviously went through um, some pretty tough times as a kid. Um, it wasn't wasn't great to be a South Sydney supporter in the early 90s um, or late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. um, but stuck solid with them. And, uh, you know, it's it's sort of paying off, paying off now. I know we've only got one one premiership to show for it. Um, but, you know, we're competitive each year. Um, we seem to get some good wins. Um, you know, last year was pretty heartbreaking, but it's, um, I guess, yeah, you got you, you got your old man there, your brother, um, you know, you, you can just discuss footy with and it's just part of our, our lives, as I'm sure, you know, Newcastle is for you and, and you guys. Um, and I actually have a bit of a, bit of a connection to Newcastle. So I grew up on the mid-north coast, uh, a little place called Olba, um, and we used to get, uh, you know, tickets through the footy club um, to go down to Knights games. So uh, every year we'd drive down the two hours and watch South get smacked by <laughs> you know, your, <laughs> your great Newcastle sides of those late, um, late 90s or the 2000s. Um, yeah. So... But, because you know, two two sort of working class clubs. Um, yeah. it's, it's, I I have an affinity to to Newcastle and what you do and the way you go about things. I think um, there's a lot of similarities between South Sydney and Newcastle in that respect. I I, I don't want to harp on about this too long because I didn't bring you on to um to make your life difficult. But uh, I mean, for me personally, when it comes to the Knights, I think Souths probably have the, the the two closest affinities that I really have to Souths is um the the sixty to nil game, if only because that's when that's when Joey really announced himself. Like that was that was really a game where he arrived and so he, he single handedly sort of um took control of a game and um. You know, he just he was um, well. That, that was the game where he got subbed off to a standing ovation. Um, but obviously, the um, you know the the removal from the comp in Newcastle. I know that um, you know myself and my dad. We were putting together our sort of we were drawing up our signs to go and join the protest. And there was a there was a big sort of um, what's the words I'm sort of looking for? There was almost a feeling of. Uh, you know, brotherhood or unity where you know this was a fight that we sort of wanted to take on ourselves to you know bring um bring this this team that we felt shouldn't have been removed for the comp um and so yeah so th there certainly is that connection from a newcastle knights perspective uh, on and off the field that um that uh, i feel like we're linked very much so to um to south mate can i are you, are you in the mood to talk about last year to talk about South Grand Final, or am I really pushing the boundaries? No, there no, that's fine. No, because I mean, the because the only reason I want to ask about it is that is that for Knights supporters, um, we've sort of reached that stage where Grand, Knights and Grand Finals. That's a generation ago. Like we we're sort of telling younger supporters about it, like no, this is stuff that we used to do. So for for because I remember 
chatting with you just a little bit before the game last year. Talk talk, talk to me about you know finally getting that that duck off your back into sorry finally getting that um, that weight off your shoulders about um, winning the preliminary final last year and the week build up to the grand final and the game itself. Take me through that as a Souths fan, um, your sort of experiences and recollections of it last year. Yeah, I mean I was. I was pretty confident going in. Um, yeah, and we we'd obviously rolled them. Um, what in the first well, the first week, I think it was. Um, so so that gave us a lot of hope. Um, and then you know, I was just seeing signs everywhere. I was thinking, oh, you know, it's 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 our year. You know, Wayne Bennett, all those sorts of things. Um, but I guess. You know, Penrith controlled the match so well. Um, yeah. There was there was what a, a couple of moments. Um, you know, the Cody intercept, obviously, that we get uh, <laughs> we get reminded of every uh, every time uh, someone from Penrith does a post. I think you um, handled that amazingly, just quietly, Don. Yeah. Every time I see something, I feel pain for you because. Sort of, <laughs> And it's a classic thing, isn't it? Where because I love to give it to Brett Kamali back in the two thousand and five Origin series. I, I maintain Brett Kamali's uh, intercept pass caught by um, uh, Matt Bowen is one of the greatest things that ever happened to Andrew Johns because Brett Kamali doesn't throw that pass, um, and um, Joey doesn't play Origin again, or arguably doesn't come back into the Origin side, but. You look at someone like Cody, like Cody was in the same position. You know, he was, you got to risk it for the biscuit. Like he went for it. It was the wrong play, but he was going for it to get the win. And um, it just uh, didn't pay off for him. I mean, I like people are going to laugh at this, but I don't think that was the defining moment. So um, for me, there was uh, the first try, which was the Burton try. Um, Campbell Graham rushes up out of the line. Um, I think Luai just hands it off to Burton and he goes through untouched. Mm. Um, that was more of a defining moment for me than the than the intercept because that's one that shouldn't have happened. Um, as you said, Cody was pushing the pass. Yes, he should have went short. And then, uh, you know, Gagai... Gives it to Johnson. It's a it's a try. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, he, you know, that's how he plays. Um, and you know, it was so successful for him last year. Um, whereas that uh, Campbell Graham uh, moment was uh, uncharacteristic for him. Um, and it was, you know, it was an easy try. Um, you know, I, I think what Cody did uh, when he had that opportunity um from about the 40 meter line and just busted through like um if we had won that game that would go down as one of the best grand final tries yet it's completely forgotten because absolutely you know it's the stacy jones uh stacy jones scored one of the greatest grand final tries in the history of um rugby league but um you know worry that game's remembered as the roosters winning 30 points to eight can I ask you something and be honest? Like, actually, don't be honest. You, know, you answer however you sort of feel comfortable. How far away from another grand final appearance do you think South Sydney are? I mean, 
as a as a one-eyed supporter. Yeah, yeah go for um, it. I think, mate. I thought we thought the North uh, not far removed at all. Like uh, I think if we get it right this year, yep. then we've got a chance this year. Um, you know, if otherwise, um, you know, we're by the time. Um, by the time Elias gets his feet, like he's already progressed so much, mm. um, you know, next year, the year after, um, you know, I think we've got a, we've added stability into the club. Um, you know, I was listening to your pod there with uh, Ben Darwin mm. um, and I always go back to, you know, the, the sort of Melbourne storm because um, they're, they've been doing it for however long now. Um, and, you know, when, when Slater left, they bought in, you know, a fullback. Um, and then they and then they transitioned, oh, sorry, Cronk first. Um, they transitioned in a halfback. Croft didn't work out, obviously. Um, then they then they went for the fullback. And then, you know, Smith went later on. Um, and that's what I guess we're trying to do um, over the next few years is, um, you know, Cody's, what, 32 or 33 now. Um, yes, he started later, cooked the same, um, but they've only got one or two years left in them. They'll probably end up at the Dolphins if they <laughs> want to keep playing. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've got Taff there. We've got yep. Mamazoulis there. Um, you know, we've got guys coming through um, who are uh, bleed red and green. Um, and, you know, it's going to be exciting to watch whether these young blokes are actually going to um, add to the story. Um, and, you know, and you've got this this amazing player. I, I, I can't stress enough how much, um, you know, I throw on um, Cameron Murray. Um, and he's just everything you want in a footballer. Um, he... You know, he goes hard. He does all the dirty work. He runs all the dirty lines, um, and you know, and that, that takes pressure off um, the guys at the back. So, you know, I, I often say that, um, you know, I see by twenty twenty five, our our spine is going to be, um, you know, sort of Mamazoulis, Ilias, probably Taff at six, and uh, Trell Trell at the back, and that's. Um, you know, if we get that right, um, then that's a pretty good foundation. Mate, can we and, and by the way, don't have any concerns about being one one eyed on this podcast, mate. Bretto and I had the nights of top four in preseason, so fuck everyone who doesn't like uh who doesn't like uh, opinions based on pure raw emotion. Can can we have a chat about Latrell Mitchell? Yeah. Cause I, I love Latrell. I absolutely like. I sort of and because um, I missed I missed the the, the Souths uh, Bulldogs game on Sunday night, um, but his try where he um, it looks like he's ended <laughs> Josh Adokar's season. <laughs> um, that was. I mean, you 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 want to be careful that you're not racially stereotyping here or racially profiling, but um, it just felt like Greg Inglis 2.0. Like he had speed, he had strength. He had skill and just this brutal sort of um, fend off of uh, of Josh 
to score this um, this amazingly memorable try. I think um, I think there's because uh, how old is Latrell now? He's still in his mid twenties, isn't he? Twenty four. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's still got so many years ahead of him. Um, I think he's one of the well, he's, he's definitely one of the top top ten players, if not one of the top five players in the comp at the moment. Uh, absolute star. Yeah, he 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 adds so much. Um, you know, there's there's little parts of his game where, um, you know, I was watching last night. He, he has a tendency he gets the ball at fullback, and then he's looking for the winger to take take the ball up. Like you want, you probably want him taken back that first run to the line that gets us on the front foot. Um, but overall, like you. you that's what you get. Um, you know, I, I saw or I see sometimes people talk about Greg and they go, oh, you know, but he was he was a bit lazy. He didn't he didn't really do um, what you uh, wanted him to do. He's not a Tedesco. He's not a um, those sorts of players. Um, but my my um, response to that is, well, you, you don't use a Ferrari like a work you you know um so yeah i mean he's he's a great player and uh you know we're just lucky to have him really can i ask you and we're all friends here so i'm go your hardest do you love having latrell in the rabbitos jersey more so for the fact how much it irritates roosters fans (laughs) I mean, it was good to good to get one back from him. Yeah, <laughs> um, you, you know, like there's been a, a long, long list of um, our players going the other way for for many, many years. Um, you know, and and I guess they you you see it. They say, oh well, um, you know, he. Uh, he he did he was get he was ill advised and, and and all these sorts of things but um it, it was the love of the jersey um and that and that really you know we really appreciate that um because it wasn't about the money I think I think in that first year he could have took you know more money to stay at East than he could have to come over to us um so that shows a, a you know where his heart was at yeah. um. You know, his old man's a, a South supporter. Um, he's grown up as a South supporter, so that's where he wanted to wanted to play. I would imagine it sort of goes without saying, but sometimes it's worth saying again. His Indigenous heritage played would have played a huge part in him wanting to play for Souths, who are indelibly linked with that Indigenous culture, that you know, more broadly with the club itself. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you just have to have a look through our current team um, for the representation in it, and it's, um, you know, it's 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 amazing what um, what we do, and uh, you know, I I, I I take great pride in that, um, and I know most South fans um, take immense pride in um, our Indigenous representation. Um, Bredo's not not here, obviously, but. Um, he, he, he once said to me that um, I should get a South jersey with a number one on the back um, and then send it to the to the club and get, you know, G.I., um, Reese Wesser, um, Eric Sims, 
uh, Latrell Mitchell, uh, Alex Johnson, um, Nathan Merritt, uh, David Peachy, um, all the great Indigenous players that have worn that jersey over the years. And, you know, that they, those names are, um, you know, synonymous with um, sort of the, the great things about Indigenous people that play our game. And, um, you know, I, I haven't done it yet, but it is definitely something that I want to want to look into and do. Um, please do, please do, and keep us, keep us, we, 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 uh, we love a good bandwagon and God knows we need something positive, more positive at the moment. So uh, keep us, keep us posted when you do. You are listening to the Bay 53 podcast. Mate, gun to your head, who would you rather have in your side, uh, Latrell Mitchell or Kalen Ponga? Oh, I mean, I love Ponga, like, yeah, I think he's a great footballer. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'd have to pick Luttrell. Um, I mean, if I could have Trell at centre and Kalen Ponga at fullback, um, yeah. I'd probably do that. Um, but, you know, if it's one or the other, um, I'd, ha- I'd have to go with Luttrell. I kind of feel like it's an answer where there's no, like, there's no wrong answer there. Mm. Like, you sort of, because I know you well enough to sort of know, like, um, you're not saying Latrell based solely on the fact that he's a South player, but I actually also know you well enough to know that you're not saying Latrell because you think you don't see the quality in Kalen Ponga. So when you say I'll, I'll take Latrell over Ponga, to me, I know that that's how high, like that's how highly you rate him. And you're saying that to me, having seen a lot of my content, where I'm like, mate, if you even if you even whisper or if you even hint to me that you don't think KP is one of the top five players, I'll get your account blocked, uh, or I'll get your account <laughs> taken down. So um, I, I don't think there's a wrong answer there. Mm. Like I think it's one of the, and they're two great players, but two different players. Like. Um, KP isn't doing on Sunday night what Latrell did, but there are some like Latrell's had great Origin games, but he's not he's not having a, a great Origin game like KP had on Wednesday night, where KP just sort of made it, like he, he made sure that he was everywhere, he inserted himself when he needed to. Uh, you know, Latrell plays great Origin games, whereas like he, you know, it's funny. Joey said before he had his major blow up. He said um, the big moments. Queensland just were, were, were always there for the big moments. Well, th- that's where Luttrell is the difference. Like the, the great origin games he's had is because he can identify those big moments and he knows when he when he when he needs to take charge of them. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I think <laughs> like well, Luttrell's more probably got that power game. Um, and, you know, Kalen's more, I guess, subtle in what he does, um, but it's so effective. Um, oh, yeah. You know, he, he, I was just watching um, watching your your game, the, the KO Mini, um, just before um, of your game on the weekend, and I think there was a disallowed try in the first sort of five or ten minutes where Kalen just, did something amazing, um, mm. stepped through a few guys, gave the pass, wasn't finished off, but it's like, you know, that's what he, that's what he's all about. He's, you know, he, and people say, well, it's the people around him that aren't giving him 
that. I don't, I don't tend to agree with that. Um, mm. But, you know, I think you've seen on, um, on Wednesday night that when he's given a bit more of an opportunity, um, he's definitely, uh, you know, one of the best, if not, you know, top three, top five fullbacks um, or players in our game. It's so funny. It's so funny how much the result impacts the um, not the narrative. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say narrative because it's sort of. But the the result just has this um, indelible sort of link to how you assess a player's performance. Yeah. Like you sort of think about, especially you think about Origin. Like the the stats for Caelan Ponga were just off the charts. Like he, he could not have done any more to help um, the Maroons win that game. But for me, I can't help but think if Daniel Tupo doesn't, you know, drop that kick before half time, because that was the difference in the end. That, that, that try that they scored was the difference. It was the four points difference. And you, you can't help but wonder if, um, if we go into the break 12-6 up, you know, we've got all the momentum. We've held Queensland out. Maybe we score a penalty or one more try and we win that game, how much the result impacts on the way you... Because for me, what Caelan Ponga did in Origin on Wednesday night, I see him doing that every weekend for the Knights. The difference is, though, is that the Knights just don't win as much. And so I just can't help but wonder how the analysis of KP's game would have been if... Um, the Blues get up, they, you know, they win their first decider in Brisbane for 17 years. Um, KP still wouldn't have, hasn't won an Origin Series. Um, and, yeah, the, the, the result itself just has such a big impact on the way we analyse um, what individuals do. Yeah, yeah, and uh, AJ Brimson's the new Queensland. Uh, well, this is the th- well, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? No, like you say that, but like AJ Brimson until uh, until uh, Wednesday night, lead one more Origin series than, or he'd been a part of more Origin series wins than KP had been, mm. and you sort of like it, it. It just it makes such a difference to these to these players' legacies. To be fair, to be fair, so would Corey Allen. <laughs> <laughs> The great Corey Allen. I've got <laughs> that I, I think I think Corey Allen is like uh, Wayne Bennett's greatest achievement. That, um, <laughs> you know, to, to, to get this bloke who was a reserve grader in Brisbane, getting firing for South, get him into a, a Queensland team, uh, get the job done, and then he just goes back into the wilderness. I mean, that's that's amazing. <laughs> Can I ask you something as a proud New South Welshman yourself? Do you? I mean, what's your take on the whole passion aspect of, of of origin? I mean, does Queensland get origin? Do do New South Wales just not understand the concept, or um, you know, was, was Joey right? Where he sort of it's an insult to say that we we you know we are as passionate about this. We do, you know, we do care about this this jersey as much. Stop saying that you that we don't get it and just. Except that okay, you've you've won this series and you've you've had a great streak of late. And um, um, but wh- wh- where do you sort of sit on stuff like that? Does Queensland just get Origin more than New South Wales? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't prescribe to that. Um, but I, I remember my junior coach. Um, he used to say to us, a team of champions. Oh no, sorry, a, a champion team will always beat a team of champions. Um, and I think that's where it lies. Um, 
Queensland comes in and they're, they're working as a team together, um, whereas it seems like New South Wales, um, you know, we get it right occasionally, um, but we've usually got a gulf there in talent levels, um, but we play as, you know, Matt Burton from the Bulldogs or um, Jerome Luai from the Panthers or, um, you know, Cameron Murray from South Sydney, um, as opposed to Queensland plays as Queensland. Um, yeah. And, you know, they, it's it's more the sum of their, their parts um, as opposed to relying on, you know, last year, relying on Latrell Mitchell, relying on Tom Trebojevic, relying mm. on um, James Tedesco, these guys to get us out of trouble. Um, you know, that, that, that unlosable series, like, how, how did that happen? Um, I mean, I mean and, and obviously Cherry Evans gave it to um, everyone after the game, you know, worst ever Queensland side, all that sort of thing. But they played as a team. Um, and, you know, you just have to have go look through Twitter on Wednesday night. Um, and it was, it was, you know, Daniel Tupo from the Roosters um, yeah. dropping the ball. And then, yeah. you know, and then all the Roosters fans are defending him and then saying, oh, well, uh, you know, Toho missed the, um, missed the one on the other side. And, and you know, and, and that sort of thing, we, we don't really... Get, we get behind our players. We don't get behind the... the, the no, I, I know what you're saying. Matty Johns, I can't remember where he said it. I mean, the New South Wales have lost so many series over the last 10, 15 years. It's hard to remember which one stands out the most. But I remember after one particular loss, Matty Johns was saying, New South Wales, we have this tendency to cannibalise ourselves after a loss. Mm. So Queensland, they seem to take the loss in their stride. They sort of, because um, particularly during the the Joey era, you know, he, Joey only lost two series out of his out of the nine that he played in. And in fact, someone was pointing out to me what a statistical anomaly it is that two of the the, the only two drawn series happened while he was playing because yeah, there's never been, yeah. and that's such that's such a rare like two drawn series out of forty. Um, but Matty John was saying we, we have this tendency to sort of cannibalise um, ourselves in New South Wales after after we lose. We don't just sit back and take stock and go and, and you know separate ourselves from the result and go, well, how can we build on this to be better next time? We go into this we go into this mood of recrimination. It's like and it's exactly like you just pointed out. We we move ourselves into club lines where we sort of go, oh well if such and such I, I remember watching a game where James like James, the series James McManus played and a Newcastle fan was no sorry he was a man no he was a manly fan living in Newcastle. I was like oh James McManus shouldn't be there. And I'm like but he is there. You're literally watching the game at the moment. Why can't you just Back the team for yeah. you know for for at least this eighty minutes, and so he couldn't even wait to pull out his club alignment until full time to start sort of bagging players. Whereas Queensland, when they lose a series, and particularly during that John's era, you know there was a point there until two thousand and six where I think I could have this wrong, but I think Queensland had only won like three series since Wally Lewis retired. And 
Fatty didn't go to town on the players and say, well, this player, he said, Queensland, whoever pulls on the Queensland jersey needs to be mindful of the fact that we need to lift our game. Whoever's playing, it's not about what we've done before. It was quite eloquent from from Fatty, actually. He must have been um, he must have been on something, but he did point out. He says, you know, we haven't won. We've only won three series since the Great Wally retired. We as we as a state and our players, we need to lift. And yeah, they obviously ended up winning eight in a row. But that to me is the difference. It's not that they're more passionate about it. It's how they react to the losses that differentiates Queensland from New South Wales, where, I mean, we're already doing the, you know, such and such shouldn't have been there. You know, Freddie needs to be sacked. Um, you know, oh, look, we, we've got no Victor. Victor Radley doesn't want to play. New South Wales, whereas when Queensland were losing, they were like, right, well, what do we need to do better next year to win it? You know, what? To, and what they did was they created this, they went back to their grassroots to create this generation of players who won 11 out of 12 series and... Yeah, I just Queensland react to these losses far better than New South Wales do. Yeah, agree with that, mate. I mean, it's it's uh, it's 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 difficult to watch um, because you know you, you do you have that pride in your state and you want them to do well. Yeah. Um, and you know I'm guilty of it as well. Like I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that you know I haven't had a had a chip at. Cleary or, or whatever, like, um, you know, a little bit. Of well, speaking stuff. of Cleary, let's let's uh, let's have several chips at uh, Nathan Cleary. Is Nathan Cleary a proven fraud at halfback? Is no. he only a downhill skier who can only perform when things are all going in his favour? Because he didn't a, have a good grand final last yeah. year. In fact, he didn't go. He didn't have a great final series last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think he's. I think he's a lot like a. I I I think he's like a NFL quarterback. So um, if if you notice how like deep he is when he gets the ball, it gives him a lot of time um, to to pick the right option. Mm. Um, when you compare him to say uh, Cameron Munster, for example, that you know they're the two sort of best players in the game, arguably. Yep. Uh, Cameron Munster can turn something out of nothing. Um, when you watch Cleary play, it's 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 you can tell that there's been a lot of training, a lot of drills. Um, it's been practiced. Um, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that um, you know he's uh, he's a he's not a reactionary player. And then once he gets on the back foot. Um, he finds it very hard to uh, change it up, um, and that's what we saw on, you know, in the first game. That's what we saw in game three. Um, but is he a bad player? No, not no, no way. He's a, he's a great player. He's just who would you? Okay, so if you're picking the Australian team now, who are you picking at halfback? Cleary or DCE? Oh, it, well, it has to be DCE, doesn't it? Yeah. Like. And you see, to me, I think that says a lot about the failings of Nathan Cleary. I mean, Joey came out after game two and he said, look, I think Nathan Cleary has it in him to be one of the New South Wales all-time greats. And I think Joey goes a bit easy on Nathan Cleary because, well, by this age, Joey had um, started, he, he sort of, and I know Super League and the AR and all of that played its part, but you can only deal with the circumstances that you've got at the time. You know, Joey had made himself... Not a permanent player at halfback for Australia, but certainly 
he was one of the first handfuls of players that was that came into calculations for being picked for Australia. Well, Cleary hasn't even played for Australia yet. Like, he's, and, and sort of Cleary's starting to get to that stage of his career where, you know, rep jerseys start to matter and you sort of, well, you, you still haven't taken that next step. You still haven't really solidified yourself as a representative caliber halfback who delivers um, to get his team the win. You know, all, we've got... Um, which one was it? We've got our little sort of private um, uh, group of elders, Looney Clunes, and we were sort of saying in our chat. And bear in mind, Newcastle, we've had, we're struggling for halfbacks at the moment. So this isn't us throwing stones from a glass house. But one of the things we were sort of saying is that the the knock on Cleary still remains, and, and it, he has the capacity to remove it, but he hasn't done an Andrew Johns or an Alan Langer where he's he's he has been the reason that his team won something significant. He's been a part of a significant win. He's won a grand final. He, you know, he was part of the series win last year as well, but he hasn't delivered at the in the clutch, in a decider, at the death, where he's like, no, I'm, I'm the man. This is my time. You know, he, it, it, Cody's intercept is a bigger deal from last year's grand final than Nathan Cleary. You know, Tommy Tobojevic and Latrell Mitchell, they're bigger deals from last year's uh, Origin Series than Nathan Cleary. So Nathan Cleary has been a part of big victories, but he hasn't been the reason for big victories. And I think that is still something that he needs to prove, that he is the halfback that can deliver a win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, like I said, I, I think he's a great player. Um, you know, he's 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 right up there. He's he's he would be, you know, the the only reason and as you said before about results, I mean if the result goes the other way, then he's the Australian halfback. Correct. Right? No, that's you know? exactly right. Um, no, that's if, exactly if right. If the result goes the other way, then um Freddie Fittler is a genius. Like um, you know, wins paper over cracks. Um I take your point, he's 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 got some work to do and, and yeah he's he's he takes it by the scruff of the neck when things are going his way um but is he the bloke to i guess manufacture a win from eight points down well i don't know like i haven't seen it yet and and panthers fans are going to be telling me like oh pointing out all the all the times where he has but you know, I think that um, he not that there'd be many listening to this. <laughs> You'd be surprised that we are the most popular Knights um, supporters podcast amongst uh, amongst Panthers fans. Yeah, okay, there you go. Yeah. Newcastle are the premiers. Okay, Don. So you're let's 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 really cannibalize the new south wales blues then and we'll, we'll finish this off um just with this you're the you're in here you're the gee I'm, I'm talking like i've been drinking all day you're uh head of the new south wales selectors what do you do what do you think needs to be done for us to win next year's series I've caught you. I, I didn't prepare you for this, so I sort yeah, of. If, um, if, if you tell me to get fucked, that's more than fair enough. Because I, <laughs> I, I, I have an idea of what I'd say, but they're really they're fairly obvious uh, responses. I mean, obviously, you, you you do what you can to keep Tommy T fit. You get Latrell back in the side. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm still not convinced about how much Jack White would have been the difference. Um, and I think we need to do a lot more of what of Queensland get more past players in there. Mm. I mean, the jury's probably still a little bit out on on Joey's coaching ability, but I still think he he was the one New South Wales pl- um, person that showed the most ticker on Wednesday night with his um with his and it wasn't even a blow up post game. I, I honestly think what Joey said was intended as a as a joke that just fell flat. I reckon he really. I reckon he was expecting him to laugh at him when he said, oh, "I've got to listen to your bullshit for the next twelve months." I thought that was funny. <laughs> And then he surrounded. I, did, like, I didn't see it live. I, I, I oh, only saw it afterwards. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. Statue guy was. Um, he was going hardcore with um, with that content uh, over on his um, over on his social media pages. I, I don't know if you'd get rid of Freddie. I know a lot of people have sort of complained about his coaching and sort of and like you said, you know, the the proof is that sometimes the result changes the the whole thing. I mean. We won at the death in 2019. Did that make him a better or bad coach? Probably not. We lost off by four points. Off, oh, sorry. Well, no, we, we lost obviously off uh, with, uh, I think it was 10 points in the end. Um, ben Hunt, um, you know, it's questionable whether or not we go for a chip and chase if we're leading at the end there. But, you know, that that result doesn't make him a better or worse coach. It's the, and I think Freddie has done enough for him to get another crack next year and make up for what happened this year. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I suppose you have a look at the past players that we've got. Like, who who are you bringing into that camp other than Joey and Freddie and these type of right, guys? So, I mean, you're not going to bring Paul Gallen in, are you? Like, I'm not bringing Paul Gallen in, but uh, <laughs> Laurie Daly, I think, has to come back yeah. because they, they they were the core players of that that golden New South Wales era. You know, they've got Danny Badiris in there as well. I mean, what's Glenn Lazarus doing? You know, get him on the phone. What's what's Paul yeah. Harrigan? I know Paul Harrigan would love to be uh, involved in that Danny sort Bedeiris, of... Uh, yeah, in that sort of... I mean, I'm trying to think of non-Newcastle players as well. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, get them get them involved in what it meant to players of the past. I mean, get Gus in. Gus doesn't have to uh, coach the team. But fuck me, if anybody if anybody ever came the closest to Wayne Bennett in ter- from New South Wales in terms of knowing how to get the best out of individual players for Origin, it was Phil Gould. Uh, get Ricky, you know, this, this, just there were so many blues because I was looking, I was looking at the stats actually. I was looking at um, the the four decades, the eighties, nineties. Um, New South Wales has a losing record in every decade except the nineties. I think we won two series in the 80s. We won three in the 10s. We won three. So we have a losing record in every... So get all of those players back from the 90s who were involved in winning winning series and winning them regularly and get them amongst the players, showing them what it means, showing, telling them this is what we did to get the win. This is what we had to do to you know, win three in a row with an unchanged lineup in 93. This is what we had to do in 94 to win a decider in 2005, you know. There's just um, yeah, that's th- those those are probably the two big things I'd um, I'd consider for New South Wales next year if we really do want to prove with wins on the board that we do understand Origin. Yeah, I think I think I heard that Sturlo was in or around the camp, which was um, you know positive to see. Sturlo's a funny one. Sturlo's a funny one. He's he's very. Like he's so reserved, mm. and I think that works against him in a lot of ways. Like 
Sterlo is probably one of the best halfbacks that's played the game, certainly in my lifetime. Um, but I think Sterlo is someone who's very, and I'm happy to be corrected on this. Peter Sterling was always a player who was probably a little bit too realistic about his place in the game. Because I mean, he he didn't win a premiership, I think, after Ray Price retired, and I think that I think that weighed heavily on him. And so again, you know, he's he, you know, he was part of that '80s era where we broke the duck to win a series, and then we won another series. But Peter Sterling is, yeah, he's a, Sterling's a funny one. I, I'm sort of, I think it's good to have him involved, but I don't think he's someone that should be you should be overly reliant on to be. Um, to be, you know, making players overly more enthusiastic to to go out and perform. Yeah, I think I think Boyd Cordner, you know, these yes. like you know, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, epitomise what you know the toughness and what it meant to be um, from New South Wales. Um, you know, I, I I saw something the other day where they said, you know, um, well, Mal. Mal, did, Mal went through that golden period, um, but the kid, the guys that were there actually grew up. They knew who Mal Meninga was. Yeah. Um, then now you've got Billy Slater. Mm. They know who Billy Slater was. Not so much to an extent um, the last one um, when Wilders was coaching, um, and maybe that's why they sort of suffered there. Um, but then you have a look at, you know, Freddie and, um, Greg Alexander and these sort of guys, like these players now, they haven't seen these guys play. Yes, they know that, you know, Freddie was a great player because their old man's told them or whatever, but um, they didn't actually, they're probably like three and four and five years old when Freddie was um, doing his thing. Um, so maybe that's what we need is, is someone in and around there that has that connection to the to the current side um, that can say, well, this is what it means for us. Like, it's not just the blokes who um, got the wins sort of 25 years ago. Um, it's the guys that, you know, we grew up and we we idolised because um, that's what that's what Queensland got. They got, you know, Cameron Smith, Jonathan Thurston, Billy Slater. Um, mm. They're guys that were idolised by, you know, I, I think Billy Slater played with like five or six of them. Um, there was an interview before the game. So they know what he's all about. Um, but see, that's another that connection. No, I, I think you're absolutely right because that's another one as well where New South Wales doesn't, but maybe we don't do Origin as well as Queensland. We don't idolise our past Blues players as much as Queensland do. Hmm. Oh, fuck me! The, the the number of of New South Wales Blues, uh, New South Wales fans who still like to hang shit on Andrew Johns. I'm like, mm. he's the greatest bloke. Like, he's the best player that ever played for our state. Like, can you at least like fuck the, f- the fact whether you hate Newcastle or not? Can you just not put that aside for two seconds? And just what do you think? Everybody who supports, um, actually, no, that's an unfair thing because everybody who supports Queensland probably did love Cameron Smith and the, uh, Melbourne Storm. But, but I sort of like, is it that hard to just put aside your club hate for two seconds? So, because like you and I were saying before, not only do we cannibalise our team after defeat in terms of um, you know going at players along club lines, but then even in victory, 
we do this thing where we're sort of like, oh, such and such player from, you know, that team, you know, we were lucky to win despite them. And I'm like, for, for fuck's sake, can you just can you just get behind the team for um for two seconds? Um mate, I wanna oh, there was one other thing that I did want to ask you, and I've I've been briefly um I've been briefly no, that's the that's the other thing I want to ask you, and, and we'll finish on this note. Can Panthers football translate into origin success? Did did this series say that great club combinations and great club pieces of a puzzle don't automatically equate to an origin victory? Because the other thing I'm thinking of is the fact that Craig Bellamy never coached three origin series for zero wins. Does New South Wales have to get away from this idea that just because we can find um, good club uh, sort of pieces, we just need to pick the best team and go from there? Yeah, I mean, potentially. I like I think it's a, you know, we... Because the two players... Uh, Because that's that's what I was sort of saying before was, you know, that that sort of champion team mentality as opposed to the team of champions. Well, if we we go down the path of, oh, we're just going to pick the best guys, well, that's Mm -hmm. not really achieving the champion team. Um, You know, I, I, I went into it going, you know, they were the right selections. Um... There was a couple like, you know, Ado Carr obviously um, thought he should have got picked. Um, But essentially, I thought that the team was pretty right. Um, Yeah, so did I. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, and then I was like bewildered with all the changes for the second game. But then it came up trumps. Mm. And then he sort of stuck with that for the third. And then, so, you know, I, I don't think there's a magic bullet. It's just, you know we've got to we've got to work on bringing that team together. Yeah, um, no, agreed. And how how that happens? Well, that's up to the, the people with better minds than us. <laughs> um, the only reason I mentioned as well is because Penrith Panthers look like a million dollars against any NRL club. They looked amazing against Melbourne Storm. But Origin is that step up. And you sort of, when you watch the Penrith Panthers play, like they're at a level. You know how the mock on the Melbourne Storm was always, they play at this level for 25 rounds, but because they don't have another level in them, when they get to finals, they can't step up because everybody else is stepping up. Well, I think if if you think about wherever the Storm are, the Panthers are a level above that, but again, they don't have another level to go. Like they've they've found their max level, and they'll just ride on that through to grand final day. But they don't have another level to go to because they won't need to because they are just so much better than the, than everybody else. But is Origin that next step up where it's sort of because the two players I'm really thinking of in particular from Penrith who just, who went missing in game three were uh, Jerome Luai and Liam Martin. And so those two players, to me, represent this idea that just because you win in a championship team doesn't mean you're going to replicate that in a different scenario, which is why I then think, does New South Wales just need to go back to, you know, spots one to 17, you pick the best player in each 17, 
and you give them a crack and you hope for the best. Well, who, like, well, you know, on Luai, who, who do you pick over him? Like Jack White. You put Jack well, White in at six. Well, I, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm probably, I'd probably lean towards Lee, uh, Luai myself. Um, you know, I think that uh, Whiten, Whiten's a great player. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard, it's hard, isn't it? Like, you know, I, I think that Luai in and of himself um, is a better player than Jack Whiten. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd say that... Um, if Jack White and you know maybe had a bit more range with his passing, those sorts of things to free up those guys outside him, um, then yeah, sure. But you know we're we, we're basing it off a loss too. Um, Liam Martin, I mean, he did what he needed to do. There was a lot of players that went missing in that game. Um, yep. More went missing than actually stood up. Um, my young fella's just... <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. He, he's obviously um, taking the origin loss hard as well. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, it's a difficult one. I I, I wouldn't want to be making these calls, mate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, and like you said, greater minds than ours are um, are going to uh, are going to sort it out, whether it's in the New South Wales uh, boardroom or uh, on the on the on the Twitter feed. Mate, let's um let's talk a little bit more. <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit more about club footy. We originally wanted to get you on to um, dissect the Knights Rabbitohs game. Unfortunately, floods and personal circumstances just didn't allow for it. It's um it's been ridiculously wet uh, up here over the past few weeks. Can I ask you though, Don? Going into the Knights Rabbitohs game last Friday, uh, Friday week ago, on a scale of one to 10, how confident were you about the South's team winning, about about South getting the win? I'd say, I'd say three. Really? Mm. People really do underestimate how shit this Knights team is, I swear. <laughs> uh, uh, that that was due to the, the, the players we had out to, um, you know, we were, we were very disrupted side that week um and you know you you guys i once again like um listening to that sort of ben darwin chat that he's had um yep. i and and casting my mind back about you know the um maybe underestimated um how much sort of Kalen and gags and um which which of the Safidi brothers was it? Jacob Safidi, yeah. Yeah, Jacob. Um, Let me tell you something. You didn't underestimate at all Jacob Safidi's because he has not played even forty percent as well as he did in Origin in that third Origin game. So um, Gags has, has fallen off a cliff since round three. The only one we might have genuinely missed was Kalen Ponga. But the thing is. Tex Hoy this year, um, and I'm reluctant to say this in case any of the haters are listening, Tex Hoy has a better winning record than Kalen Ponga um, this year. I think Tex has actually won two home games. Kalen's only won. I don't think Kalen's won. Oh, Kalen might have only won one. Anyway, so, um, yeah, you, we, we, certainly didn't, we certainly didn't miss any impact for, for the players that um, were out for origin selection. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I think I said earlier is I was I, I was quite worried early on, um, and then sort of you know that Dom Young incident with Latrell. Um, obviously, he went off, um, and then uh, you know we started to get on top sort of after that. But uh, yeah, I wasn't wasn't very confident going into that. Um, I've, I've gone through too many dark times with South. Um, <laughs> you, you, know, you, you, you lose the games you're expected to win. and you. It's always funny. I always find this funny when I interact with uh, rugby league fans from other fan bases outside Newcastle. It amazes me how, how much we have in common despite our differences. And being hurt by your team is something that transcends club lines. Like, it doesn't matter who you support. I'm sure if you even ask Melbourne Storm supporters, particularly after losing three in a row, and to any Storm supporters listening, I hope, you get, I hope you're getting through it, but everybody, every fan always feels like at some point their team let them down, and that, more than any other thing that the team has sometimes done for them, is what stays with them from week to week. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, growing, uh, going back to the, the prior point, you know, the late late 90s, early 2000s, there are a lot of South Sydney fans these days who just don't, haven't been haven't been through that. They're too young. Mm. Um, but, you know, for especially for, for fans of our generation, like, uh, it's, you, you know, you just, you're just like, oh, we're, we're two, two wins away from, down the bottom again, collecting another wooden spoon, um, you know, and whether that's uh, against against the Knights or that's against whoever whoever we're playing, um, you've always got that uh, sort of in the back of your mind. Um, I've tried to because I've tried to forget. Look, the, the the losses just start to pile up on each other after a while, particularly this season, but. I think what disappointed me the most about the way the Knights played against... See, what disappointed me about the Knights' loss to South, and in a lot of ways it's a very similar pattern, particularly shown against Manly, is that the Knights have shown a capacity to be in games. <laughs> like, we, we were we were ahead with 10 minutes... After 30 minutes against um, Souths, and yet you just kept scoring try after try after try. Because I think, I think well, we were 16 points to six up. And then you then proceeded to score 32 unanswered points or something like, like five tries in a row. And it was a similar pattern with um, – it was actually a similar pattern against Manly on Saturday where this time we were actually in it for 60 minutes – and in fact, if, if you look at the if you look at the st- the statistics, or if you look at whether like um, Manly scored their last four tries in the final twenty two minutes of the game, and so we were in it for an hour, and then we just switched off, mm. and we just the scoreline blew out, and it was the same thing that sort of happened with Souths as well. Is that we were in that we, we we had this great first half, and then we let ourselves down at the end of the half, and then the next thing we know, the game is gone. I mean. Okay, like it was, uh, I think it was 36 points to 28, 34 points to 28 with 10 minutes to go. And we were trying to see if we could get another try to make it a contest at the end. But that game was never going, that game was never going to full time 
you know, at 36 all going into extra time. Like South's always had that game in the bag. Um, or at least they, they always had that game in the bag once they took the lead. And so, like, that's just been the most frustrating part about following this Knights team this year is that in a lot of ways, every game has seemed to be a little microcosm of our season, which is that they do enough to have you believing. Like those first two rounds, we were genuinely looking into um, accommodation for our grand final weekend. They'll do enough to have you think that they're a competent footy team and then they'll just throw it all away as if, all right, we've done enough. We don't need to do any more. Like, no, there's still more. It's not – the season's not over. The game's not over. And, um, yeah, that was very much how that Souths game felt. It was just uh, – well, I love the Newcastle much, but I don't like them all the time. Yeah. I, I have a question for you then. How how big of an impact do you think um, – and, and sorry, I forget – the guy's name um, off the top of my head, but the guy that elbowed um, the Penrith player. Um, oh, the Mitchell uh, Schitzel Barnett, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how how much of an impact do you think that's had on your season? Because so, that seemed to be, you were flying, then that incident happened, and then you just never recovered. Like, I, I don't know whether that's, so Fair or not, but that's what it seems like as an outsider that it, it just sort of you 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 start off really well, everyone was confident in each other, and then this bloke just has an absolute brain snap, and then they lose trust in what the guys around them are doing because they can't um, they can't trust them. I don't know if that like like that's an outsider, but you know I don't know. Down the block. Right, so we're back. I've had to recover from an embolism of uh, going back to round three. There's was, there was a whole combination of emotions that just went into, you know, remembering when we were good and then the moment we really did turn back to um, being shit again. So, uh, Bredo and I have sort of, I mean, we've discussed this at length. There's, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of things going on with that send-off. I think the first thing that I want to say is that uh, Bredo and I were messaging each other at the time when it happened, and we were like, "Like this is bad. Like, we absolutely have no doubt. We knew. We knew that that event had the capacity to end our season. Now, at the time, a lot of people were sort of um, saying that um, we were overreacting, um, that we were sort of, um, you know, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. You're looking too much into it. You know, it, 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 it's, it's just a send off. But this this team, in so many ways, is like like I don't do much gardening, but it's like a, it's like a, a a beautiful chrysanthemum. Chrysanthemum. You know, the conditions have to be perfect for it to for it to bloom. And we just knew that there was every possibility that this team had this fragile outer shell that could re- that doesn't react well to adversity. So that's the first thing. At the time, we thought this has the capacity to be a lot bigger than it needs to be because we know what this team is like. The second thing is that Mitchell Barnett, for better or worse, is actually quite a popular figure 
in in the in the Newcastle Knights within that team. He's he's um, he's quite popular with the fan base as well. Um, again, for better or worse, and so. The thing about what happened with me is that we don't know what happened behind closed doors with the way the club reacted to his send-off. And so everything that's happened on the field since has led to one thing and one thing only, which has been speculation that the players are not happy with the way Mitch was treated after that send-off. Because the rumours started almost immediately that he was leaving at the end of the year. And the next thing you know, he signed a three-year deal to go over to play with the Warriors next year. So so he's left his deal early. And so everything that happened on the field after that just fueled um, this, uh, the substance of the speculation that the players weren't happy with the way the club had treated Mitch and that they had... St- now, even if, even if that's not true... Something happened after that round three game where we just stopped performing as well as we had in the first two and a half weeks. And whatever the reason is, it's just like it's just not good enough. These guys are paid professionals who should be more than they're getting paid more than enough to be able to put in competently week week in and week out. And what we've seen over the last three months is a team that just is unprofessional. Like for lack, there's no other way to describe it. And so we come full circle is that when you sort of say, oh, what what impact do we think that the Mitchell Barnett send-off had? It should have had no impact. The, the mere fact alone that we are able, that we're even contemplating having that conversation is to me an indictment on the Newcastle Knights organisation because it shouldn't be a conversation. Players get sent off all the time. Adversity happens on the field all the time. It just it shouldn't have been part of the conversation. And yet here we are three months later where we're still talking about it. And the Knights, as a team and as a club, have allowed that to be the case. Sorry, Sorry bring it up. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, not at all. Knights fans, look, we're good at nothing else if, um, if uh, for the ability to, um, to relive trauma. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's sort of like the funny thing about the Knights over the past couple of weeks is that I think, like, I think we've conceded about 80, 80 odd points in the last two games. Um, our attack is atrocious. Uh, we've got no two. I think we're one of the worst teams when it comes to conceding points, whether it's from, um, um, uh, Defensive sets within our own twenty, as well as um, the last five minutes of the game. Like we're just we're just woeful at that. And I know it, a lot of people have said it's it's actually a cop out to say oh it's a weak mentality. There has to be something deeper than that. I, I actually do agree with that. I sort of think that we've reached a point in the night season where the coaches need to come under far more scrutiny than they are. And it, it's not all of this, you know, O'Brien's playing for his career, it's coaching for his career, you know, he's going to get, get the sack. It needs to be deeper than that. Sacking a coach doesn't, you know, everybody, oh, fuck, mate, this has done my head in over the last two months where everybody's been sort of like, oh, look at how look at how different and better the, the Bulldogs are under Potter. A couple of things about that. One, their defence has gotten worse. So they are, they are defending worse than they were under Barrett. 
And okay, they're scoring a few more points. So they were averaging nine points under Barrett this season. They score, they're averaging 22 points a game under under Potter. You're still losing. You've only won two games. You won two games under Barrett. You've won two, so two games out of ten under Barrett, and they've won two games out of seven under Potter. Okay, but the other thing as well is that well, fuck any interim coach can come in and say, oh yeah, just throw the ball around, boys, a bit more. You know, go and score a few more points. That's great. He's an interim Not coach. He can't. Sorry. Not he can't get him in a second. So, <laughs> so my point is that, but. You, you mentioned Noddy. The Tigers have not gotten better. So that, that's the situation that the Knights are facing at the moment is that they punt their coach and they take the risk that they're going to get worse like the Tigers have or they'll score more points and still lose like they have under the Bulldogs. Sacking the coach isn't necessarily the answer. Looking at what the coach is doing, that is an answer and that is something that definitely needs to be can, that definitely needs to be done. But for me, it actually goes above the coach. The, the Knights fans deserve an answer in terms of what this front office is doing. What What is going on in the Knights organisation where everything was put on, where every, every, everything was done over the off-season to give these players an opportunity to win this year? Like, off-field, we got everything right. We got our, our corporate structure better. We got a, we got a brand-new centre of excellence. We brought in the best off-field medical team that we could, and we are fucking worse. So what is happening for the, from the decision-makers to... I'm... I'm, I'm I'm clearly getting far too angry for this, but what is what are the decision makers doing to rectify this situation? But if everything else is in place for this team to do well and we're not doing well, well then the front office the front office again also need to be answerable to all of this. So I I I, I sort of said so I think I said who did we lose to? I can't remember if it was after the Raiders loss or if it was after the um after we lost to South. But for me, um, Adam O'Brien has now got seven, he had 17, 18 or 17 games to determine whether he was going to be at the Knights long term. And it's not off to a good start. It's really not off to a good start. And we've lost, uh, I mean, depending who you sort of talk to, Bredo and I were quite high on Anthony Milford. We were happy for Milford to be at the club. I think now that he's signed with um, the Dolphins next year, it's all like, look, thanks, you know, go and help our boys out in reserve grade, all the best. Um, but, yeah, it's just it, – it's it's really not looking good. I just, I just genuinely don't know where this team goes from here. We've got the fucking Roosters on Friday night as well, and they're going to remember what happened in round one. They're, they're going to be wanting to pay us back something fierce. <laughs> The um, oh, just to come back to South. I mean, you, you guys are going through all that. We we we've had a microcosm of that through the season. Um, obviously with uh the Reynolds um, Gagai, um, you know, new coach, uh, centers that aren't performing, uh, wingers that aren't performing, all those sorts of sorts of things. So. There's been a lot of negativity surrounding our club, um, and you know, but we're winning. Um, so I, I, I often think like it's it's kind of mad rugby league, um, unless you are the Panthers, uh, or <laughs> unless you're the Roosters going back to back, then everyone's shit. 
Like, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, our players are shit, your players are shit, everyone's shit. Um, and this constant negativity around the game, we have the best rugby league competition in the world, yeah. right? And we don't, we, we, we take a lot of, um, when people say about soccer or they say about rugby union, they're like, oh, people are like, oh, but we have the best rugby. When it's against them, we'll say it. But then internally, we're like, oh, my God, like, you know, um, uh, Caelan Pong is shit. Like, mm. you know, Latrell Mitchell, oh, he dropped a ball, he's shit. Like, Daniel Tubo, he dropped a ball, he's shit. And it's like, well, no, these are the best players we've got. And, you know, we should really celebrate um, what we do have instead of just trying to tear down constantly. Um, you know, last year we lost the grand final and where all of a sudden we were, we were shit, like, you mm. know, and it's like, well, no, hang on a minute. We lost four games, sorry, five games with the grand final all year. We lost two to Penrith in the regular season. We lost two to Melbourne. And we tailed up everyone else mm. through the year and then, but yet we're shit, you know, we, we lost by 50 twice, um, you know, and, and I guess for me, I, I just sort of sit back and go, well, you know, maybe, maybe we aren't a shit and maybe we should celebrate the good things in our game. Maybe we should celebrate those players that are, um, you know, doing the hard yards, turning up to train and doing all those things instead of, you know, being down here, it's particularly Nice, because I only and and I've heard Bredo say this. I watch I, the game's going to start at three o'clock. I go, I turn on the TV at two fifty nine. I watch the game. Half time, I go outside for ten minutes. I come back, I watch the game, and I analyse it myself. I don't mm. watch three sixty. I don't have the Daily Telegraph. I don't have anything like that, which is just people that feeding off the game, mm. just going, yeah, th these players are shit, this is shit, like, you know, and and I'm not surrounded by the whole negativity around the game, um, you know. I'm having, like I'm having an internal moment here where I'm my mind is going back to uh, mere moments ago when I was asking whether Nathan Cleary is a fraud. Um, but I, I actually, I 100% I agree with you. I, I actually think it's, um, it's bred into the game because – uh, rugby league was created with an inferiority complex. Yeah. Rugby league was always the offshoot of what was supposed to be the superior game, rugby union. And so rugby league has had a self-confidence issue ever since. It is a clearly better game, yeah. but no one associated with the game will embrace that concept enough to want to be bold about it. Mm. It's it's a very introspective, internal-looking game where it's uh, it's about the individual and you don't want to do anything at the individual's expense. So from those roots has sort of created this game that um, that just lacks the confidence to be any better because it was born out of a lack of confidence. Yeah, I agree with that, mate. Yeah. Mate, you mentioned him before. And look, Don, I do apologise. We've been going for a very, very long time and I do appreciate how... So, um, I might ask you, I just want to ask you one more question. It would be remiss of me not to ask about Adam Reynolds. 
Um, watching how Adam's going this year, are you, I mean, how do you how do you feel about it? What are your thoughts on his departure? Give me give me a South um, a true blue South fan perspective on um, Adam Reynolds uh, playing for the Broncos this year. I mean, I'm well. I can't say I'm happy to see him performing the way he's performing, but I'm happy that he's getting the credit for what he's always done for us. He's he's always played like that. Like, and then now people all of a sudden, because he's not wearing the red and green, they're going, oh, this guy's actually a really good player. Oh, he can actually steer a team around. Oh, he's actually, um, you know, um, one of the top halfbacks in the game. We always knew that. Um, and, you know, we were, we were sad to see him go. Um, I guess he's made a few comments, um, around his time at South um, that have sort of, I guess, been a little bit on the nose with with us. Um, but, you know, he when he finishes his career, he'll be welcomed back. He'll have standing yeah. ovations, all that sort of thing. That's what I think. Um, you know, he's, he's taken the Broncos probably three or four spots beyond what um, they're, where they're supposed to be. Um, and we're probably three or four spots below where we're supposed to be. Um, but it was never about this season. Um, it was always about, uh, you know, they're trying to give him a one-year deal. We're trying to keep him for this year. Um, and then Ilias was going to take the reins because they've got this young bloke there. He's, a, you know, an eight or nine or a 10-year halfback waiting in the wings. Um, and there was supposed to be that transition. Adam didn't want that. Um, and, uh, you know, he moved on. Um, we move on. Um, I think now we're starting to see that Ilias is coming into himself a little bit. Like that little grubber um, was very Adam Reynolds-esque on the weekend. Um, his defence is really good, which is um, similar to Adam. Um, the way he gets to the line and then gives the ball at the line. That's very much like Adam. He's short kicking game. Obviously, um, he's a rookie, though. Like, that's that's the thing is, is people go, oh, you know, this seasoned veteran um, who's been around a decade, won a comp, and they're trying to compare a rookie to, to someone yeah. like that. Um, it's not yeah. like for like. Um, this bloke's going to take time. Um, but I think... You know, this year, um, yeah, it was probably, you know, wrong call this year. In three years, time will tell. We'll see what um, we'll see where we're at. We'll, we'll have to bring you back on again in three years' time if we haven't been taken <laughs> off the air by then. Um, it's time for a bold prediction, mate. Where are the, where where South's finishing this year? How, how far how far can they go? I, I think. We're bottom of the bottom of the eight, so so that sort of fifth to eighth position. Um, yep. Where we land, um, I'm not entirely entirely sure. Um, but then, who is playing this week? Oh, you've who are you playing this weekend? I, oh, you got the Storm. Yeah, you've got the Storm. Everyone's a Raider, Everyone's a Rabbitohs supporter this weekend. We want to <laughs> see the Storm lose four in a row. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, if we get all our pieces together for finals, um, you know, prelims not out of the question. 
another grand finals not out of the question um if Latrell um you know turns it on uh those sort of guys um that I mentioned before Campbell Grahams the the Cameron Murrays um you know Thomas Burgess this year has been immense for us um you know our front row rotation in fact has been really good I've thought um we get all those pieces together and I think you know we've got we've got the opportunity there to potentially um give it a shake but having said that we could go out in week one so <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just very quickly as well, thoughts on Jason Demetriou. I, 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 just, and I'll preempt you as well before you give your answer. From an outsider looking in, I think Jason Demetriou has done everything of him that you could have expected post Wayne, post Wayne Bennett. Yeah, it's it's much the same as the Adam Reynolds situation. I mean, um, you've got Wayne Bennett, um, arguably the best coach in rugby league history um mm. and and he's gone um and you've got a rookie coming in um who's you know had a little bit of instability there um he's felt his way um he's made some mistakes um but you know I, i'm a firm believer that you you learn from your mistakes um and no, you have to you know he's he seems to be uh trying different things and um you know I think there's a good coach in there. Um, he's lucky that he's got a good sort of core of players. Um, and, you know, he, he I think, um, will do well for us over the next few years. He seems to adapt. He seems to adapt. Um, that was probably the biggest knock on uh, Madge with his time with us um, was, mm. you know, we, we went to 2014 um, and then for the next three years, he just tried the same thing, same thing, same thing. Yeah. And he didn't. He didn't realise that, um, you know, you 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 had to evolve. Um, and he tried the same thing at the Tigers, um, which which didn't work out for him. But um, I, I see that um, Dimitri is more flexible there. Um, probably the one thing I think that he he could potentially work on is. Um, maybe just being a bit harder with the players because he wants. He seems like he wants to be mates with them. Um, maybe he needs to uh, give some people um, a really good talking to and say, well, do you want to be a first grade footballer, um, mm. or do you want to, you know, do you want to win premierships, um, or do you want to, um, or this is this what you're going to put out? Um, for us, because if you're going, if this is what you're going to put out, um, then you need to uh, start looking elsewhere. But um, you know, he, he's he's been sort of blessed that you know he's coming to a to a side which was Wayne Bennett coached, um, and Wayne didn't seem to he didn't seem to care. Like like I, I don't know if you saw that when you when he was coaching you guys, but it's sort of like oh we won, he didn't really care. We did. We lost. He didn't really care. But I think that's he. He always put it back on the players, like as in to say, "Well, is this what you want? Is it like how good's this? How good's winning?" But you know, the loss, you own that. Um, and so, know. it's funny what you say about that. Peter Fitzsimons, who I used to love, just quietly, when. Wayne won that premiership with the Dragons. 
But you think Simon's made a very interesting um, interesting observation, and, and I'll and I'll tie this into my my only comment on his on Wayne's time at the Knights. Peter Fitzsimons made a very interesting uh, observation about Wayne when he said um, he was doing an interview and Wayne was sort of talking about what, you know, the reaction of the Bronco of winning a premiership with the Broncos versus the reaction of, of winning a premiership with, with the Dragons. And he was saying, well, when, when we won it up in Brisbane, you know, we had the whole town behind us and, um, you know, what we accomplished was, uh, was always appreciated and we always felt like we had the fans there and and um, we we put good things in place where um, where we could replicate that success. He said, but with the with the dragons or with St George, um, you know they've they've got a lot of work ahead of them here. And Peter Fitzsimons made a very interesting observation where, even as coach of the dragons, Wayne still referred to his time at the Broncos as something we did, while well as whether where he was at the dragons and he was still coaching them. He was talking about, well, that's what they have to do. So to me, Wayne will, uh, has always seen it, no, sorry, until that point, and certainly when he was with the with the Knights, because when he was talking about his time leaving, going, what they need to do here is a long-term project. So he, he, he never, he, he never explicitly, he didn't have to, but he never explicitly said he was a part of the teams he was at outside of the Broncos. I don't know if he still sees it that way because I think he is very burned by his second stint at the Broncos and the way he was treated there. So it'll be interesting to see what legacy he wants to leave in place at the Dolphins, whether he wants to leave the game to be known as a Dolphins man as opposed to a Broncos man. But yeah, certainly what you say about his time at the Rabbitohs is consistent with how I've experienced him in the past, where he always saw himself as a Broncos man that was working with other clubs. So, um, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Don, mate, we've, um, this, the, my Wi-Fi is about to uh, reach its uh, download capacity. Thank you so much for uh, filling the breach tonight. Mate, you've been great. I, I think um, I think Bredo's uh, co-hosting, uh, co-hosting, is there any chance you can support the, uh, the Knights? No, I'm joking. Um, Mate, thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with us tonight. I think I can very safely say, I wrote an article for The Roar a decade ago, and I said, um, everybody's second team should be should be South. So not, mate, I've got a hundred comments of people saying, you don't understand rugby league because nobody should have a second team. But I think the, um, I absolutely still think it applies to South. Souths are very much the, um, the second team of the pod. And um, if, if for no other reason, and um, we just love Latrell Mitchell. So um, yeah, all the best for the rest of the season. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. We'll, we'll have to get him off the long-term injury list. All right, everyone, we'll, um, we'll leave you to it. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the footy this weekend. would like to thank you for listening right to the end you are our kind of people find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing and remember 
Social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.